Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, as we've already said today. Pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim it, proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I believe one of the hardest parts of, about this pandemic is the waiting and wishing it was over <laughs> and knowing that you just have no clue when that might be. I think that's one reason we check the news so often. I think I've mentioned here before because we're looking for that one word or that one statement that not only says maybe it's over now, but maybe it'll be over in six weeks. Or it'll be over in two months. But we're looking for something that probably is going to be a gradual something. So if we're not careful in this waiting, if we're, if we're just not careful, we may be wishing time away. You know, I... Funny thing about time, and, and, and we've had sermons on it here before, but the one thing about time is I can't control it. I can't stop it. I can't go back in time. I can't try to relive something that I had before. Time stands still for no one. If I die, time continues on. And time moves forward even without prejudice or regard to the quality of the moment. I've thought about this before. Is it, you know, I played a lot of sports in my life, and one of the things I always thought about, man, it would be great to win a world championship. I used to shoot that basketball in the backyard, literally to the end of my fingers would, would bleed because I was winning the world's championship at that time for the New York Knickerbockers, okay? That's who I was winning it for. No longer a Knicks fan, but I was at that time in my life. But winning that world championship... Never did that. But what I am convinced of is this. Those who have won a world's championship, you can qualify a moment as the greatest moment ever, but time still does not stand still. I know what that's like. They know what that's like. And one piece of advice I'd have for all of us, don't unintentionally or especially intentionally wish your life away. I looked this week. It's supposed to be 111 this week. I wish for so many ways it was already fall. But the problem with that is I'd be wishing away about four months of my life. I've been in Arizona 22 years. That's 88 months. That's well over seven years of my life. I'd be wishing away. We don't want to do that. Waiting, though. It's a challenge. And as we continue our series in Ashes to Fire, the disciples knew a little bit about waiting. So we're going to read today in Acts chapter 1, well, Jesus tells them to wait. See, Jesus is winding down his mission here on earth, and the, and the disciples are f coming to the understanding that this, in, this, in Acts chapter 1, that this is the time he really is leaving. They've thought it probably many times. Because Jesus has been showing up in his post-resurrection 
to meals, walking along the road, showing up by the sea, a lot of different places. He's not the same as he was before. He is different. And I, probably gives it away when you go walking through doors that are locked, okay? That, that tells you you're different. But there's a lot of other things different about Jesus. But the one thing he's reminding them is, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. One reason we come today it, 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 as we celebrate Ascension Day, as Josiah has already referred to, whether, I don't know if we did in prayer, I think it was when we were praying earlier. It's critical that Jesus goes away. He tells his disciples, he's already told them, I have to go away for the one to come, the Holy Spirit to come. It's going to be better for you that I leave. Probably hard for them to grasp that as so many other things. But we're going to read in Acts chapter 1, 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. John was baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up from their very eyes, taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who had been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven." No doubt the disciples are sitting there in amazement watching Jesus just jettison on into heaven. But I'm going to guess, like many of us, during this time of the pandemic, they were kind of wishing things or anxiously hoping they, things would get back to where they were. If you're a disciple, you might be thinking, despite the large setback of the whole crucifixion thing uh you add in the resurrection of jesus to his previous resume well the sky's the limit for jesus and the entourage right if jesus just stays look what we jesus is back can you imagine them walking around town going he is back guys watch us move back we've got popularity we've got power however Jesus' last recorded words on earth does not imply that, right? And it's if the disciples still weren't listening, still weren't listening, still weren't listening. They were trying, but they still weren't getting it. Because the disciples asked Jesus this question, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? See, the disciples' dream has been often said, the disciples' dream, and it was a great dream, 
was to basically overthrow the Roman Empire and restore dignity and prominence that should be given to the Jewish people. What could be wrong with that? It's a big dream, no question. But Jesus says this, and I'm paraphrasing. It's kind of like what he said to Peter when he asked about, the, about John's, uh, what was going to happen in John's life. Jesus basically says it this way. This is a moot point. That really doesn't concern you what I'm going to do later. But let's talk about what does concern you. See, if Jesus sets you down and go, why are you asking about that and that and concerned about that? There are times I think Jesus wants to set us down. We talked about getting our attention and say, let me talk to you about what does concern you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus has told them already uh, multiple times about the Holy Spirit coming. So this is not anything new to them, even though they didn't quite understand it, no doubt. It's not new. It's not a new language. It's not a new concept to them. They understood that. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the end of the earth. What Jesus is saying to them is, you have a new purpose to be my witness. You have a new destination. Not Jerusalem and coming back here and trying to bring everything here and making the pilgrimage every year. No, your destination is the ends of the earth. Whoa. Jesus is saying, hey guys, your dream, while understandable, well, use the old bad grammar, it ain't big enough. <laughs> it just is not big enough. It's interesting that Jesus' dreams for us seem to always be greater than the ones we have for ourselves. So where does Jesus start on this big dream? The first thing you're going to do is Wait. What it means is to abide, to, to, to be steady regardless of the obstacles involved, to wait. Don't waver. And he promises, he said, my father's going to give you a gift. Many of us, uh, when you would hear that, would go, wow, okay, we're going to get a gift. I'll wait for that. But honestly, how many of us would have waited? especially in Jerusalem, where they had just crucified Jesus. Okay, I'll go to Galilee and wait. Maybe kind of out of sight, out of mind. But Jesus commands them to stay right in the city that he had just been killed in. What would the waiting been like? Go wait. Would you have been excited? Would you have been fearful? Maybe a mixture of both. Would you have been impatient going, hey, dude, we've been following you this long. Let's just do it. Why do I need to wait? Or would it be more like this excitement you have? You know there's a time and place. There's going to be a point where a baby is being born into your home. You're excited about it. You're not quite sure what all it means, but you're excited. Or a vacation that you've dreamed about. Man, you're so excited to go on it. You can't wait to get there. Or it could be like waiting, getting in the wrong line at Costco. <laughs> Ever done that? 
You're sitting there measuring going, okay, those got three baskets, not much in them. This one's got one big cart, and they got a lot on it, but which one? The reason why I'm saying that, I did that this week, I lost. Five people went through over here while I was behind this one cart, and it, it was a long story. But the waiting, or is it with dread and fear or not sure, like waiting at a doctor's office for test results? But the waiting... And due to this pandemic's timeline of unknownness, if that's a word, of just not knowing when it's going to end, just not knowing when there's some kind of light at the end of the tunnel, and, 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 and people can argue that back and forth, I, I get that. It is tempting for us to simply wait until it's over to do anything of significance. To wait for things to get back to normal that most likely that are not going to be back at normal if they even become normal, they won't be there for any time soon. Maybe, for, maybe waiting for church to get back to normal. Maybe we're waiting for your life to get back to normal. And maybe that's never ever going to be the same and maybe it's not supposed to be. But all the time we're waiting for normal it's the time we're possibly not blessing, we're not learning, we're not leading. Because <laughs> if you look at the whole idea behind waiting, waiting in line, waiting at a traffic light, waiting in traffic, waiting, 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 has this concept by definition of a waste of time. Now, we may lose all of our money and get more money back someday, but we're never going to get more time back. So wasting time could be so unfortunate. But I love how Jesus, here he says, Jesus says to wait. But he says, in your waiting, you shall receive power. Now the word power here is, is or the word receiving here, many of us, if we're not careful, we think it's almost like sitting at home. I ordered something on Amazon. I got Amazon Prime. I'll get it back in two days. I'll just wait around and I'll be checking the front. Somebody just, it's not even, it's important, but they'll just leave it on my doorstep and, and, and I'll get it whenever. You'll receive it, right? But you receive it whenever it comes in, and you're just not. And there are certain packages maybe you're waiting, and you're standing, you're looking out the window. But most of the time, most of us just let them drop it at the door, right? But this kind of waiting, this kind of receiving, it gives more insight, as Jesus is saying. It's a waiting to desire to hunger for it. I think of Jesus going, in your waiting, hunger more for what I'm going to give you. Not just wait for me to do everything for you. Not just wait for me. God, I want you to have this hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they, they will be filled. To receive here is to be active, to accept with initiative, assertiveness, to lay hold of it. We're going to be talking about Pentecost next Sunday. It is laying hold of it. To receive it. 
And the word used here for power, you've heard it over and over. Many of you have, if you're, if you're not familiar with the church. I love this picture. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But it means, it, it, the word there is dunamis, or like the word dynamite, where we get the word dynamite from. That's kind of the picture I want you to get here. It means the Lord's inherent ability to do something. I am going to give you power. I'm telling you, I'm giving you a new dream. And guess what? Because I said it, you inherently have the power to do it. With a caveat. Because even today, those who are even listening to these words... For some of you, you're going, I want, inher- I want to receive that. I don't want to take my waiting and waste it. I want to be preparing. I want to be hungry. I want to be getting myself ready for what the Lord is bringing. But for some of you, what I'm saying today is just simply words. Interesting. Possibly even convicting. But the power of the gospel explodes when the hearer allows its truth to penetrate their heart. Jesus promises these men a living spirit as their guide, as their power source. He assures them they will not, not be left to their own resources. With the coming of the spirit, he says, you will be my voice. You will be my example. And the word witness here literally translates martyr. You will put your life on the line. You will be putting yourself out there for me. But let me tell you, guys, I am going to give you the power to live this out. But here's the deal about witness. Now, we talk about it a lot of times, and have you witnessed to someone? And and there's different versions we could go with here. But one thing I'm convinced of amongst all the versions you would take of witness I'm convinced that about being a witness, you have to have it personal. I can hear your story, and I've said that many times here. I can hear folks' story that maybe is in this room or maybe people that, that, that are out there that I have heard. I've talked about, I've used Brother Paul Holderfield's story so many times, I, I can't even count because it's part of my story, because it's part of the greater story of God. But I can't live on someone else's story. I have got to know God personally. I've got to know Christ personally. That's why the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he makes it personal. He takes our personal story and all of our mess up and all of our baggage, and he makes it into some kind of beautiful thing if we allow him to. See, the disciples, these ordinary people, had access to extraordinary resources. They didn't know it yet, and it's gonna, we'll talk about it more next week. But these unschooled, ordinary men The same ones in a moment, in the moment we're reading scripture here, misunderstood the greatest teacher of all. They were to receive the Holy Spirit and his power. The crazy thing is Jesus had told them, and it's recorded in John 14, 
that, that, and, and he says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And he jumps out, but he, he leaves, he, he puts a tagline, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you want to have the power, there's still a little catch to this, right? Do what I ask you to do. He commands them to go and do what? Wait. Guys, your dream is not big enough. Recorded at another time in the post-resurrection when Jesus was with the disciples in, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, most people who maybe don't even go to church have maybe heard this before. It's called the Great Commission. That Jesus said to them, and Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end to the age. Wait a second, Jesus, you said you were going to be with us and you leave us? He says, I have to. For you to go to the ends of the earth... Where the Holy Spirit's deposited each, in each one of you and, and present in the, in, in the room that's only with seven or eight people and also in someone's home over here and someone's home over here. I've got to go. Oh, but you won't be left alone. But this is what I think's great about this Acts 1.8 and about Matthew 28. They're commissioned to make disciples with no clear plan. What? First you said we're going to do greater things, and then you tell us to go make disciples, and then you give us no plan? Do you ever wonder if it's impossible, it's supposed to be impossible on our own? That we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. We have to rely on Christ's wisdom that he's given us through his word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you wonder if it's supposed to seem impossible? Because when I read scripture and the people that God called out in scripture, once they understood what God was saying, I don't see them often going, oh, that'll be easy. There are times where it's not completely clear on what he has told us to do. So sometimes we wait and be still, and God says, be still, be still. Other times we move forward and rely on the fact of what he's told us up to this point and rely on the fact that he is in control and that somehow he'll make it clearer as we move forward. As we've said many weeks ago, when, when, when we began to try to figure out how to navigate our way through the pandemic, and still obviously trying to figure that out, one thing I, am, I was so thankful for that we had already had our mission statement. We already had because all we had to do was lean into that, what we believe God had already showed us in our values. Lean into it. Don't go, don't go find a new mission. Lean into the one you already know. A blessing strategy, a connectedness, and continue to teach the word in a transformational way. 
Many times, as I've said also, you're having to make decisions. And we know this as parents. We know this is, there's not a great book that says this is exactly how you raise your kids. We're, 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 as leaders, we know what it's like to make decisions without all the information. And especially during this pandemic, you often have either absent or conflicting information, partial, however you want to say it. And sometimes if you read a certain headline until you get down to the fifth paragraph, they, they, you almost feel like someone's intentionally misleading you. However, decisions have to be made. The past few months, like I said, we could have waited and said, well, let's just wait till all this is over before we even preach anymore. Let's wait till all this is over before we do uh, outreach anymore. Let's wait till all this is over with. What would we have missed if we'd have just waited like that? We are waiting. We, are, we don't know what all God may be up to in the middle of all this. We may not see it all, but, we, but it's an active waiting. We're going to send the survey out to those who are already directly connected to renovation. And it'll go out at about 1145 this, after, this morning, right after the service. And we ask that you would get that back to us in the next couple of days. But again, we're just trying to gain information. I have looked at more governmental, uh, 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 church, uh, medical information in the last few weeks than I ever wanted to or thought I would ever even look at in my life. And sometimes people know me, I'm, a, I'm an overthinker and it's paralysis of analysis and all those kind of cliche-ish things. But I do believe God is helping us and he's directing us. And I can't give you a date right now or anything along that line. But what I do know is he's helping us figure this out. And we're doing it leaning into what, our, what we already knew before and we need your help. And we need your prayers. I know this last few days, our government and our president has said houses of worship need to be open, and I'm not saying we won't be open at some point. I'm not, I'm not contradicting that, but what I will agree with him on, we need more prayer. And we need prayer and leadership here at Renovation. So we just ask you to be praying for us because we do believe this. This COVID-19 pandemic is a, an interruption, a disruption of exponential proportion. No question about that. Not just for the church, but for families and, and incomes and, and obviously loss of life. All those things. And as believers, we should not be surprised in the whole concept of disruption. But like I said last week, I am convinced great churches and great nations and great leadership learn how to be productive impactful and impactful in the uncomfortable in the interruptions, and even in their waiting, I believe those disciples knew there was something coming. Because as we will read next week, they were changed. I mean, changed. We can wait with anticipation, excitement, or we can wait with worry. And I've said this before, that knot in your belly about worry, I'm way more acquainted with that knot than I should be. <laughs> I don't know about some of you, but sometimes I, I, I'm way more acquainted there. But worrying is rarely effective or valuable. See, I believe all humans long for peace, to be content, 
And I'm not sure what that even means anymore. Because I believe God allows us, as a saying I've said here before, God allows us to get steady and then kind of get ready. Because he's going to be moving. He's going to be interrupting. He's going to be stretching us to do more. Whether we wait and worry or we wait and connect and bless and we learn time's going to pass either way. And I'm just trying to discipline myself, especially over these last few weeks, and there's a lot of things going on trying to get there, is I want to learn more, God. Even this next week, for some of you, instead of worrying, why don't you just look up the Holy Spirit, the the understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, because he's coming next Sunday. (laughs) He's already come. But you know what I'm saying. To lean into this week going, I'm going to lean into learning. I'm going to lean in this week to blessing. Yes, I've been worried, but what if I just reduced my worrying to 50% and I gave 50% to learning and blessing? You'd be further along, and I think everybody else would be too. And I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you. In the waiting, God is doing something. But we can either hear the words simply as words or lean into receiving it to hunger and thirst for what he is doing. In waiting, Jesus was preparing these disciples and inviting them to this transformative, disruptive movement of monumental proportion. Really, guys, your dream ain't big enough. What maybe you're dreaming right now that God's going, you know what? I got something bigger. That's great, and that's honorable, and that's understandable. But, oh, yeah, I've got something bigger. I'm going to ask Josiah and him to come as we'll close in song today. As we're thankful. Just thankful. We're thankful for a group of disciples who didn't run back to Galilee, but they went and waited. And they go from this tiny gathering of at one corner of the Roman Empire to a movement that would change the history of the world. What if in our waiting, God is about to prepare us for something of monumental proportion? That in the middle of the disruption, in the middle of the disruption, there's more preparation going on than we could imagine in the waiting. A few years ago, as I was preparing to working through the process of coming over here to renovation and being a part of the disruption, if you will, God was disrupting my life. And at February 17th, 2012, I was Many of you have heard me preach on it, one of the darkest 24 hours of my life up to that point in my life as a believer, for sure. And I can't, I won't get into all the reasons what was going on, and, and it was good stuff. It wasn't anything bad. I don't mean it in that way. It was just wrestling with whether or not it was the week that I had met with the board over here. And What am I supposed to do, God? Because I had been waiting. But in my waiting all those years, I had continued to prepare. 
uncommon and all the things we talk about here were being worked out in the waiting. But at that morning as the sun was rising and, and, and I was just wrestling with all kinds of things in my heart and my mind and just questioning all kinds of stuff for no good reason, I'll be honest with you. I hadn't slept all night, never went to bed. And, and again, a lot of story around that. But Allie texted me a song. And Allie, back then, I didn't have Spotify. Back then, people didn't text me songs. But this time, Allie, for out of nowhere, I don't think she'd ever done it before, texted me a song by John Waller from the movie Fireproof. And it was, While I'm Waiting. If you get a chance this afternoon, maybe listen to that. John Waller, While I'm Waiting. It just reminds me, in the waiting, I will still praise you. In the waiting, I'm not wavering. <laughs> In the waiting, I'm moving forward, even if it's not in a physical sense, because I may be quarantined, <laughs> but I'm moving forward. And as we look forward to Pentecost next Sunday, look forward with anticipation. God is up to something. As we sing this song, and Josiah will close after that, I just want to thank you again as we remember this day. And I know for some, the hurt that is going through you right now because of loss, even in our church and in our family, because of the day we're remembering right now. Even in that time, believe that God is doing a great work. It's sad. And, and again, even through the pandemic, the loss and you're waiting for the pain to subside, just trust that he is up to something for your good. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you right now that this day, Ascension Day, falls on Memorial Day. Again, where your example has already been said in this room, there is no greater love than to lay down our life for our brother. Lord, you set the greatest example. You went away, but you said you would not leave us alone. And we come today thankful and grateful. And with anticipation this next week, maybe just looking and understanding more about your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for wisdom that fills our minds and our hearts. I pray for this leadership and staff and board and those who will make decisions even currently working through that it's done with what seems right to us in the Holy Spirit with great wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for this time. We pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you as we sing.